Welcome to the first episode of Emil Takayev podcast. This podcast is going to focus on a range of topics such as gaming, science, even business. I would love to speak to very different people of different backgrounds and different experiences. I love learning about passions and competencies, masteries of people that they developed over a long period of time and learn more about that and dig deeper into what they know and explore. My first guest is Austin Yu, who is a former League of Legends pro player, coach, and currently on the game analysis team at Riot Games, also for League of Legends. We had a great conversation discussing League, discussing his experience, and just talking about various things that I would love to ask someone who knows way more than I do about esports, what it was like to be a professional player, to mentor professional players, and now affect the balance of the game, um, analyze data, make decisions, and ultimately provide a great experience for players or contribute to it. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm looking forward to feedback. Let me know what do you think about this and also any ideas for future episodes. Thank you. So tell me more about your life. Thank you, Austin. Thank you for joining me on my first podcast. Yeah, I'm and uh, happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny thing, we both work for Riot and we're both housemates, so yeah. it makes it incredibly easy. Uh, so for starters, I have the very first question, just the general one. I want you to tell me about your overall journey and what got you into pro gaming. Okay, um, so... I guess in the very start, uh, I was born in China, mm -hmm. um, and I moved from China to Canada mm -hmm. at a pretty young age. I think I was eight, eight years old, around eight years old. Um, around that time, my parents, um, since we're just freshly immigrated, they have to find work pretty much. And mm -hmm. I spent all my time, if I was not at school, you know, um, when I got back from school, I was just playing games, and that like occupied most of my time so that's how I got into games I guess in in the first place mm -hmm. um, and then as I played more and more as I grew older um, I think my first like interest in like competitive gaming uh, was on like the Xbox 360 mm. I played a lot of like Halo 3 um, those games and I actually went to LANs to compete which was like a really cool experience for Halo for Halo right so I try to go actually I try to go pro in Halo mm -hmm. 3 um, but like being very realistic, the if you win a tournament, you get like like few hundred dollars, and that does not even cover like your travel costs or it's pretty much just non sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. And especially on top of that, I was still in like high school and stuff. But yeah. that was my first like taste into it. it's like oh wow, there's like a whole crowd and people actually care about the game that you play. It's like a huge audience stuff like that. So I thought, uh, wow, this could be like very interesting, or at least I was very into it at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I played, so I played a shooter called Halo then, uh, and then online I had a bunch of friends that we eventually kind of migrated to playing uh, games on the computer, and uh, another similar MOBA game I played was Heroes of New Earth, which was, mm -hmm. it's pretty much a league, but 
It's just a copy of Dota, which is uh, the father of all the MOBA games, right? Um, pretty much, I played a lot, as you would expect, um, from high school to college. And eventually, well, when I got in, so I got accepted into uh, University of British Columbia. Mm -hmm. And then my, where I lived before in Florida, no one was interested in playing League at all. I know in my real life friends, no one had any interest in playing League. Um, but when I moved for college, like 95% of the people I was around all love League, they all love to play, and all at that point were like even better than me. So it made me very like inspired to play more, I guess. Um, and that was kind of like the beginning of my League journey because then I played for the collegiate team, then I got offers to play in amateur. Then I moved out on my own to Seattle um, because that's where like the first like team house was for me. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> I say house, but it was just like the literally the smallest apartment you can ever imagine, and you just cram like four or five people in there, and like the living situation was not great, but pretty much uh, all of that was driven by passion of like oh I want to be the best and play play league or try to make it to the top, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that was. That's kind of like a short summary of like how I got into it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Well, this perfectly segues into my first pro gaming question that I'm curious about is how your family was supportive about it and uh, were they on board from the start or you had to convince them? Um, so the short answer is definitely not. <laughs> I, I come from a pretty like strict Asian household and... It's kind of even hard, like, growing up, My if I played games, of course, my mom and dad would just get mad. Uh, and, like, they try to restrict my time playing. Um, I guess it's funny if you think about that because it kind of makes, when there's, like, resistance there, you kind of want to pursue it even more. Mm. Um, but to, to go on the first point, uh, my parents were not initially supportive in the sense that they just want me to... Um, you know, finish school and like, so I went to school for mm -hmm. computer science uh, and they just think like, oh, you did a lot of good stuff. Like I, I had really good grades in high school and stuff, so they don't want me to like veer off track. Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, I feel like in college, I really got the just follow your heart kind of like feeling. Um, so after I did actually commit into like not going to school and trying to make it pro, my parents were supportive in the sense that they're not going to tell me, like, you shouldn't do this, no, like, go back, right? Um, but I think it's hard, and I think um, a lot of pro players do get asked the same question. Uh, it's hard, it's pretty rare to find, like, uh, especially from your family, immediate support for this, because uh, it's also reasonable because at the time, there was no proof of it ever like mm -hmm. being successful or like being a good investment pretty much, right? Yeah, um, especially early on. Er early on, it's kind of like the Wild West too for, uh, at least for getting paid or like at least for like, you really don't know what you're going to be, mm -hmm. what to expect in the next even half year. So if try explaining that to like strict Asian parents, <laughs> they just don't want you to dabble in it at all, yeah. right? Um, but... Like I said, as soon as like uh, I started joining teams, and I guess the biggest breakpoint was was for me like moving from I obviously got opportunities to move from amateur to compete in LCS. So like joining a pro league, 
means like obviously more visibility and they kind of can see like oh this is like a working structural system where my son can make money and like these things are provided for him so maybe it is not so bad right but <laughs> definitely not the early days because nothing was ever like concrete yeah how did you make that move from amateur to professional and um, what did you like being able to compete as professional LCS was the milestone that you would consider like you made it to pro scene? Um, so everyone gets their opportunity kind of differently. Uh, I would say, so I played an amateur for not too long uh, and I did get, uh, so there were many good opportunities to move like horizontally between amateur teams. Um, and then I got my first opportunity to play an LCS because um, well, actually, I tried to switch uh, uh, positions, like roles in-game, mm -hmm. and I was just playing with one of my um, friends at the time, like, uh, who was on my team, and he was just trying to guide me through, like, I was pretty much learning a new role, and uh, I was learning fast enough to the point where, like, an LCS team noticed me to, like, oh, hey, we'd like to recruit you mm. for just, like, an opportunity on our team, right? Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, wow, this is... Uh, I don't know how much it'll pay or whatever, but it'll be a big opportunity because it's a top four team. Mm -hmm. um, so I joined that team and like through circumstances, um, the main mid laner for the team got banned. <laughs> so I ended up filling the role for him. Like we were like maybe like 70% through the season. Mm -hmm. So my initial like experience on joining LCS was very like turbulent. I kind of got thrown into like a role. I wasn't even planning to play mm. uh, but uh, I'm pretty grateful for it because like it it led to way more opportunities in the future pretty much but mm -hmm. uh, nowadays I feel like so there's a lot there's more structure but it's also very hard for like a new player to like mm, think break of through. their breakthrough and mostly they don't have a clear pathway to from oh here I am a collegiate player and I want to go into amateur and then what do I do after I go to amateur? Like, can, can I go to, can, what is the path to becoming pro? It's not set in stone, but before it was all, almost like, oh, I just play well and uh, you'll get on the team. So, but that was maybe a bit more simplistic. Yeah. Mm, I do actually have a question. Yeah. It jumps uh, way, way into the uh, list that I have. But so for that path, is collegiate a good way to become a professional esports player? Uh, to get on a team or do you want to try something else and you said like you're not there is no set way to become a good uh, player and get hired in a, I would say so in an ideal world every every system should kind of funnel into each other I think this is like prevalent in like basketball or like just actual like sports that have existed and have like a working collegiate system and then league is aspiring to be at that level mm -hmm. But um, it's mostly, it's hard for people currently to manage, like, okay, so most collegiate players that are interested in league do play on their collegiate team, but that does not, that does not mean that'll lead them to an amateur or pro team, whereas this system already exists for, like, mm. the existing sports, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess it would be ideal in the future because we would get a lot more, like, new players and new, like, talented players mm -hmm. but uh, i think most people don't take 
at the collegiate level don't take the game that seriously to the point where they want to dedicate all of their time in becoming like very good at their craft. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about collegiate system that doesn't make sense to me in terms of age. I feel like by that time, if you're really good, you already want to be at the pro level. Yes, a lot of players, like, uh, if you... Okay, so this year, there's quite a few new players in LCS, and they're all, like, <laughs> under 20, I think. So, yeah, uh, yeah so you, you pretty much go from high school to... Some of them don't even finish high school, honestly. They go from high school to LCS. Mm. Um, most of them go from high school to amateur, mm -hmm. but rarely is it uh, collegiate into amateur into LCS. Mm. Right? Do you happen to know, is there any difference, like how they do that in Korea? Is um, there a different system? Yeah, so the main... Okay, the main big thoughts in the difference in culture for how they like recruit or find talent in Korea is um, structurally their solar rank ladder is taken a lot more like serious and people pick and choose like they cherry pick who they want out of the ladder more in American uh, in America like the ladder system is not as like I want to say like respected I guess mm. people put l way less weight over like oh this guy is rank 30 maybe we should try him there there is weight but way less than uh like when i did uh, i played in korea and i thought like wow people really like <laughs> care about their rank so much uh, whereas it's like pretty it's kind of not the case here yeah mm. so you can grind in korea on ladder a lot in solo queue mm -hmm. and if you get high enough in rank like challenger or you can get uh visit some people um, will contact you potentially yeah, so people, there's definitely people just literally just staring at the ladder and like, uh, and it's pretty easy just to spectate games, right? So they can just like right click your name and see like, oh, you're in a game, I'm going to watch you play. And the people that are responsible for like recruiting talent for each pro team, that's something I'm, I'm assuming they'll like, I, I, don't, I don't do that obviously, but I'm sure people, that's like an important part of what they would consider scouting. Mm. Um, on top of that, like... It's, it's pretty much, like, no cost for them mm -hmm. to just say, like, hey, just come and, like, play for our team. We'll try you in a few games. If they don't like you, they'll just, you know, they'll just not spend any more time on you. Mm -hmm. But if they do think you're, like, very promising, they'll start to, like, uh, slowly, in, like, put you with their, like, B team. Or, like, they'll start to, like, oh, we have another junior team um, forming within our org. We'd like you to, like... Uh, be one of the members, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a very likely scenario. But here, uh, it's almost like uh, the B teams, so the academy system is like the B team system for LCS. Mm -hmm. um, it's less like, so there's a lot less talent acquisition. Pretty much there's less movement of players. And there's a lot of players that like would, for example, would play like academy for multiple years. And that the turnover rate in Korea is like, at least for, I just see a lot of amateurs come in and out. Mm. You know, so I, I just think the two systems are like a little different in terms of like development. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Do you think that contributes to the strength of the region overall? Like they're more looking at the overall pool of players and it's easier to break through just through sheer rank? Uh, so a major thing is there's actually more players in Korea uh, even if you think about it, like, even though you would think there could be more players in America mm -hmm. since it's, like, a bigger 
continent, right? But market. Yeah. So there's no. There's actually multiple, like for example, Chinese players, Taiwanese players, Japanese players.、Uh, a lot of players queue on the Korean server, and then they all queue at the peak times. So there's actually more volume at the、mm. high level for good players、uh, because they also understand the fact that like, oh, this is maybe where I'll get recruited or scouted or whatever, right? Yeah.、Um, and then there's like,、uh, I guess to go back on it,、um, people don't view the same. Way for America,、mm-hmm. so generally when people get traction for like oh let's say people start to watch like、um, my stream on Twitch or something、mm-hmm. right they don't they tend to go down the route of like oh I'm gonna grow my audience rather than grow like my the 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 skill level and like how fast they grow is less important to their success I guess、mm. um, a lot of young players or a lot of players. Gain traction, like usually turn to streaming or they turn to like、uh, some way to like monetize monetize rather than going because playing pro is like it's very interesting but I feel like it's a harder path for most people. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, speaking of that,、uh, during I guess your top、uh, career moments, how much did you have to train to? To stay at that level, so I can give you like a normal rundown, I guess, of like a day for. So when I first joined the league,、uh, I played on Team Impulse,、mm-hmm. and we were like I said, like maybe. So there's usually ten weeks in a season. We're about week seven, I would think.、Um, so we、uh, Monday through Friday, we're all scrims, and they you pretty much wake up、um, nine to ten, and then. You eat, you eat some food, and then you play、um, pretty much noon to like I would say like six or seven,、um, and you might have a night block too. So、mm-hmm. through twelve to six is two blocks of scrims of three games. Scrims meaning、uh, pr- like scrimmage games between two teams. So、mm-hmm. you obviously you would schedule them with like the other teams in the league, right? Yeah,、um, and then. Uh, uh, you'll have a dinner break, right? And then after that, you might have another block of games.、Um, if you don't, most people just play solo queue on their own time, or they play with their teammates.、Um, so that'll go from like, so that's like seven or eight, and then to like maybe midnight. And then from midnight to like, t- this is I guess where people kind of like branch out. They might like do some something they want to do on their own time from like midnight to two. Before they go to bed, pretty much, right?、Mm-hmm. Or they might just like to like play more. And honestly, when I first joined the league, that's all I did. I just did the scrims, the afternoon block, the or the optional. There, there might be an evening block, and then I would play the game until I was too tired,、um, and like maybe like two. So that's like how many hours is that? That's at least like. Eight to like ten hours of、mm. playing the game per day, Monday to Friday,、uh, and then on the weekends you kind of take it easier. But I think something that I was I was <laughs> gonna do a lot is if I had a successful game or like I felt like I、mm-hmm. played well on the weekend matches, I would take it easy. I'd go like go for a walk, go on the beach, do something、yeah. relaxing. But if we lost our games, I, I would be like upset, like oh I need to play more and to, like improve and like. Not have this happen again next week, pretty much, right? Yeah.、Um, I felt like way more of a crunch.、Uh, mm-hmm. 
what whether or not that's healthy that's you know to be decided <laughs> but that's pretty much what i did with my time but uh, did that competitive spirit like drive you to enjoy more of that practice or it could get tedious as a job um so definitely at the start it never felt that it was tedious because all i really wanted is like oh i finally made it to the pro level i want to keep going right mm -hmm. um so never did my like uh passion get outweighed by like fatigue mm. i would just want to keep playing and like even if there were a lot of roadblocks or even if it was like a really frustrating day yeah. like maybe i lost every game in practice or maybe something i've been like practicing a lot just is not working yeah um that could definitely happen but i was pretty undeterred i would say in like my first few years of playing pro and mm -hmm. then i think for most pro players when they've been through like this grind of like wake up play eat play sleep or gym whatever right yeah uh they kind of see it more as work which is kind of like the risk here for most players they kind of burn out fast because they want to do that they they don't know what else to do because all they uh, most pro players all they do is play the game but playing the game is no longer super fun for them because it's so ingrained in their daily routine mm -hmm. and like it also affects like their mood right yeah if you're winning a lot you're in a good mood and if you're losing a lot you're in a terrible mood so when it's like that it can get pretty stressful yeah uh speaking of that stress and mindset since you were a pro gamer for many years uh how did you avoid tilting if mm. there was a loss or like a streak of lo of losers and how do you approach win versus uh lose or intense situation and not getting uh, angry at mistake of a teammate say i would think so um if you're thinking about like how to maintain a good atmosphere for your team and like pretty much healthy like mental mindset for a season it's kind of like um make sure you're doing the things that help you regulate how you feel every day like most people take up like oh i need to go i need to get exercise to kind of help like my mind be at ease mm -hmm. um and that was uh, on a lot of teams that was like very emphasized for us so like um we would have like a morning routine where, or we would go to like a gym like every every time we could or we would go on a hike stuff like that mm -hmm. that would be pretty common uh as for like how do i myself stop tilting or like if i'm doing poorly how do i like refocus yeah it's a lot like um it's i feel like for league especially it's a game of like accepting like the current state of things mm -hmm. so if you're unable to like think about what you're going to do in game like what is the next step after mm -hmm. this action has happened you're gonna have a very hard time like winning the game because you're not planning anything and the enemy is and the yeah. enemy is like doing one step ahead of you pretty much right um and that could kind of translate into teams the teams that struggle a lot generally lack like direction i would think people know how to play but they don't really know how to like combine it into one beautiful like painting on how to like uh how the game should operate so what would help me a lot i would think is i tend to focus on just i don't really care what's happening in the game i'm mostly thinking about like what am i gonna what am i gonna do mm -hmm. next and i think that's like kind of my approach on most things yeah does that uh how does it work with the five people i guess four other people yeah. on the team 
that's the hard part, I think, because, um, well, one, everyone is feeling something different, right? Uh, and I would think this is truly one of the things that, like, separates League as, like, a competitive game from, like, other, like, for example, like, StarCraft. Um, you have to help your teammates, and you have to, like, like I said, um, how I view the game is you're trying to paint, like, a painting. Mm -hmm. And any little action that anyone does will have an effect on your painting. So how do you, how do I get, like, the best-looking painting um, possible? And then the games that, like, there's a lot of pro games where you felt like the game went perfectly, like, from start to finish. But when you look back on it after the game is over, it could look like a complete wreck. So it's, like, mm. uh, the teamwork aspect in League and, like, facilitating your teammates has so many, like, deep layers of, like, what you can do to affect and help your teammates or, like, uh, there's just so many factors that it's hard to, like, say what works for every team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something that's pretty cool to think about is a lot of the teams that uh, were, like, in the world championships that have performed really well or won the whole thing, what happened for them is, like, oh, we just naturally click. They don't really have, like, the recipe, right, mm -hmm. for, like, why they're good. But so every, I think that's why every year, every team, like, essentially has a hard scramble on their roster and they kind of just start from scratch. A lot of teams, I would say, like, 80% of teams have this mentality and they're just hopefully, like, oh, uh, hopefully we're lucky and we slap together, like, the right players that will play very well together, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of uh, people on the teams, uh, how many more people than five direct players are recruited per team as, like, backfills? So, um, so play on the player side, there's usually five starters and five subs. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say this was not always the case. Um, so, for example, like, the year I joined... We had two subs. It was yeah. me and someone else, and we were not expected to play. But now, so um, currently in a franchise system, there's 10 starting players and 10 academy players. Mm -hmm. And every team kind of has like a different goal for their academy roster, but most of the time it's to move them up directly for your team um, if there is like a need to, right? Yeah. Um, Alongside that, there's a lot of support staff. Most teams have one co coach, one head coach, and they have an assistant coach for him, and they have an academy coach. So three coaches, and potentially if they have like the like remaining like funds to support it, they might have positional coaches, mm -hmm. which is like kind of like a fancy way of saying, um, "Hey, this guy plays the same role that." this guy on our team can use more knowledge on. We're going to just give him this much money and he'll help us. Mm -hmm. um, there's like a big variance in like what they actually do for the player. Like uh, I heard just like very mixed stories of like how useful they are, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but pretty much it's if it's in your team's budget, they'll have as many coaches as possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um Moving to the topic of uh, the teams and the early League of Legends uh, esports, I read online that 
team Impulse had some controversy about paying the players back in 2016, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can yeah. go into that. It's <laughs> very, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, most of the information is like available, but at the time, like being someone in that mm -hmm. situation, it felt like very strange because one, I was pretty young, and two, I re really didn't know like, what do I do about this? Oh, I didn't get my money. Oh, I didn't get paid. Or I don't know what's happening next year. A lot of these thoughts were like something I haven't like grown, mm. <laughs> grown up old enough to like know what to do about. Um, so, so what happened? They didn't pay the wa the wages. Um, so pretty much after the first season, mm -hmm. uh, I was on Team Impulse. We changed the roster. Mm -hmm. A lot of the higher pl paid players moved to different teams. So the team it was pretty fragmented, and but we did need to field a full roster mm -hmm. for the next season. And pretty much I substituted for multiple roles on the team at the time. And on top of that, we imported two Korean players that did not speak English. So we had a hard time. <laughs> in general yeah. a lot of things weren't working out for us right away and on top of that uh, the owner of the team was not paying us like we were missing a lot of checks uh, mm. and and we were in so we were in a house but uh, one it, there was a lot of things wrong with the house two um, we didn't really have like I think our manager was not being paid at the time and then so we had to like find people to help us like, mm. run the team um, all of this pretty much led in the future that Team Impulse needed to be sold to someone else. Mm -hmm. And I joined the team after that as well. So that was kind of like what I was talking about earlier. That was kind of like the Wild West time for mm -hmm. esports where you were mostly playing because you loved the game and mm -hmm. you wanted like the opportunity to go higher. Yeah. But one thing was your pay wasn't certain and you didn't really know was going to happen next nowadays things are like players are a lot more protected there's like an association for players there's um all the contracts are like <laughs> a lot more player favored than they were in the past mm -hmm. um players also just get paid more in general uh, and there's like an established like minimum wage or a minimum salary that they would mm -hmm. get paid uh, all of these are things are in place now but before you could get scammed very easily, especially mm. on amateur. So the LCS teams, they had to report directly to Riot, right? Yeah. Um, so there were, like, the Team Impulse situation, there were, like, some very fishy situations. But they do get corrected. But if you're on an amateur team, you can very easily, like, be scammed out of your pay, be scammed out of your time, be scammed out of, like... Some people really just get baited into moving somewhere. And then the team says they're, they're going to pay for like food and housing, for example, and then they might not, <clears throat> they might not hold up their side of the agreement. And then if you think about it, at that point, if you're a player, you're probably like, uh, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old kid, and you moved across the country with no like support or money, mm. and then you get screwed over pretty much. That that happened pretty commonly. Yeah. So they just use players and. They were participating in tournaments, but yeah. they weren't paid for it. And um, it's mostly tied to why that happened was because... So currently, the league is a structured system. There's 10 teams, mm -hmm. and those are going to be the 10 teams for the like the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. um, and they have an academy team that they're 
they have amateur teams join, right? Before, yeah. we had a relegation system. So teams could get knocked out of the league. Mm-hmm. And that's like a big reason on why uh, the instability uns- or instability was there, because the incentive for you want to ho- okay if you're a team in the league you want to hold your spot mm. because that's valuable right yeah um, you have something to build off of but you so you, but if you're one of the teams in the bottom you have to be careful you have to make sure you have the best players to not get knocked out by another team right mm-hmm. and then in the same side of the coin the players uh, in like high amateur that have a chance in knocking out these teams they see it as a huge like money making oper- uh, operation right because they're like oh we can get the spot we can sell it for a lot of money and then we can play on the team so there's a uh, um a lot of money was being pumped into very short term contracts because oh we only need like the best player for half a year or a year right mm. uh, but now nowadays players get signed for like 3 years or 4 years um anyways there's a lot of pros and cons yeah. in both of these systems but that was one of the main reasons why the amateur system was kind of like at the very bad at the bottom. And then I wouldn't even say much better at the top, but there was more. You, want to, you wanted to play uh, around there. If you're in an mm-hmm. amateur team, there's a lot of opportunity for you. Yeah. Did your family say, told you so when you had issues with Timo Poulsen? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. No, I don't think... I think they're more of along the lines of uh, not I told you so, but they don't. They hate to see me like in a bad situation. I guess so. They were supportive it's when you're more side. supportive. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Good. yes. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> uh, sp- since you mentioned the pay and salary online, there's a lot of different numbers thrown. Like uh, some say like it used to be like 75k. Some say now it's up to 300k in that range. Uh, is it approximately true that you can get like reasonably well paid right now, even by California U.S. standards in a pro team for say League of Legends. So, my view on that currently, um, if you're a bottom or near, let's say you're on the floor of pay for LCS, mm-hmm. so you've made it past amateur and you're in pro, the base floor is pretty good for you because it comes along with housing, food. Uh, and other benefits that, to be honest, most people working like an average job in California, most it's way expensive. Yeah, it's going to cover that and then some, as well as there's pay on top of that. So there's a lot of incentive to play even at the floor level in LCS. Um, and especially so to move on that, like mid-level, it's probably not so different from the bottom, but you get paid more and there's... Usually, you have a little more job security. You're mm-hmm. more maybe you're why they would give you more money is maybe your the role that you provide on your team is more valuable. Like they can't find a replacement for you essentially, right? Um, and at the high level, like the very star players, they uh, obviously it's just a bidding war for them, mm-hmm. um, and they do get paid like I don't want to say exorbitant, but it's an amount that's very very comfortable, mm-hmm. and it's been. There's been growth and decline of like the top salaries every year, but still it's a very it's not like NBA levels, but yeah. it's still very like uh, it's very good. You wouldn't imagine making this amount of money uh, playing this game as a kid. Yeah, yeah. You you definitely make enough money. Um, mm-hmm. But 
the so on top of that, so currently I would say the the players that are in amateur or academy, they are kind of making the minimum to serve. So there's okay, there's a lot of things I think come with playing in academy. One, you're probably a kid. When I say that, I mean you're like an 18, 19, 20 year old. I don't think you, one, you don't really know how to manage your finances. Mm. And two, you kind of don't even know how to like take care of yourself, right? Yeah. So this is like a pretty stressful situation for most uh, players like that. Um, Moving to like California, being in a team house or apartment and like dealing with like, there's a lot of players that don't even know how to like do laundry, for example, Mm. right? So I would think this opportunity could not... So what you sacrifice, right, is usually like a college education to do this opportunity. Um, I would think currently it's probably not worth it for like an academy player to take this option. Korea um, or college? Uh, so, so no, no, to take like... Uh, the, the option is, should I play on an amateur team or okay. should I go to college? Mm-hmm. Um, it's close, I think. And I'm weighing it, like, if I were, I guess, if you asked me, like, oh, which one would you choose right now at this point, I would probably choose, like, oh, I just go to college because I don't think the pay is worth it. Mm. Or, or, and I think the experience is, like, it could be not worth it pretty much. But mm-hmm. before, I don't think anybody thought this way, uh, even though the pay was even worse um, because yeah. there was more opportunity to get into the pro league. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that sacrifice, I'm curious because... Uh, the misconceptions of pro gaming because looking from outside say you have your favorite game and I it, like I even dreamt of doing uh, professional uh, like say Starcraft 2 uh, pro gaming which is uh, really hard as well yeah. <laughs> to get into but um, what are the misconceptions because it looks on paper that if I'm good enough or well, I'll get to be better in the future I can play my favorite game make money have very little expenses of the team if if I'm on the team and it covers my housing and food uh, and I get to be around people who enjoy that game or at least professionally dedicated to it. Um, what are the those uh, downsides, things like you sacrifice college education and maybe time to learn some basic skills and without sounding preachy, like what do you uh, think those main things are? Um. I, I meant think, for me. I don't want to sound preachy about right, this. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I think the main sacrifice, it's kind of like opportunity cost. You sacrifice many years in trying to be elite at your game, um, which are like kind of non-transferable life skills. Like me playing like uh, 10,000 hours of league does not translate into any other occupation. What do you mean? Coaching, League of Legends, <laughs> uh, job? Well, anything <laughs> non-League... So there's obviously... It's unfortunate that there's like other career paths that could lead to ha- from having this experience. But I would say most people at the time would not envision that at all. They were uh, a lot like... And so League is like a bigger game, but there's also mm-hmm. uh, e-sport, like games in esports that... Turn out not as developed, or don't, they don't have a, such a supportive system. Yeah. So, I, I think the number one thing is, oh, I put so much time into this game, and I am not at the top top. Right. That means I don't get. I I I'm not at my goal. Essentially, I'm not. I'm not the best, or and I'm, I'm not making the best money, mm-hmm. and I'm not like. So pretty much compare that to what you could get 
from getting a college education mm-hmm. or doing something quote unquote easier, right? Um, I think the opp- opportunity cost is real, yeah. and and on a top of, on top of that, I think a big thing is stress. Most people that do try to go pro and like spend all their time doing it don't make it. Mm. They <clears throat> they play too much and they stress themselves out and they don't have good like uh, like a good system to like maintain themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Usually they just stop playing after like a year or something, right? And then it's pretty much, I guess, it's like wasted time for them, right? Um, mm. And then another downside I think is it is kind of like such a big part of your life. Um, you might not get to experience a lot of things. So an uh, easy example is like most uh, most players go from end of high school into the pro scene, and then they might exit when they're like anywhere between like 25 to 30, right? Mm-hmm. So they are actually missing a large amount of like social experience with like uh, like college, for example, right? Well, you can get some social experience in league. It's, it's a, a much different social experience. You learn things quickly. Uh, you, you get thrown into stuff, I guess. And it kind of depends, like, what kind of person you are, mm-hmm. like, what you get from that. Um, and honestly, so to summarize, I think the real sacrifice is, like, you have to kind of be sure that it's going to be worth your time. Yeah. Um, I definitely know people that, like, try their best and, like, Played amateur, played all these tournaments, try to uh, get into qualifiers, right? And then they don't. They fall one step short, essentially, right? And pretty much, it feels like um, you know someone put the carrot in front of them, and they're almost there, and they almost got the reward, uh, and they almost got their goal of like, oh, playing pro. Mm-hmm. But being like one step off sounds like a terrible feeling, which is um, maybe more likely than you would see right away. Yeah. Yeah. Does the the age old debate versus that talent versus determination in league do you do you believe that if someone is determined enough to be a pro player and dedicates enough resources or say follows the things yeah you would recommend to to become a best uh pro player they could become uh can they make it anyways or there's some degree of um, quantifiable talent that you have to have at start. I think there's a, like a mix between talent, effort, and luck. Um, like in anything. <laughs> like in anything. Uh, so truthfully, if I think if I were to see someone in their like 18, 19 year old, uh, they want to go pro in league, and they have like it looks like they have the skills to support it. I would think they should try mm-hmm. and. S- Pretty much they should dip their toes and see if they are able, if that's what they want ultimately, before they throw themselves on like a multi-year journey on like trying to be the best league player they can be. They should just kind of understand what that is going to take. I think playing amateur or collegiate is like a pretty decent like first few steps. Yeah, Amateur is kind of, I guess it's kind of harmless in the sense that you're essentially still just playing the game, but in a slightly more organized environment. And your goal is to be the best team you can be, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a preview into what pro gaming could be. Uh, and if you're especially talented, you might get noticed and you might have, with some luck, like I said, you might get opportunities to play on pro teams. Mm. 
And really, that's all they can wish for, I think. Um, that will be like the most smooth path, right? Yeah. Uh, and I would think, because uh, I kind of fall into this box where I was like, oh, I don't want to do school. I really want to play pro. I, I, I just want to play league so bad with my time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I fell down that path, and I think... Like, it was not so bad of a journey, honestly, in the end, when I, like, reflect on it. Yeah. I think, um, obviously, I met some, a lot of, like, really cool and unique people. And on top of that, I enjoyed my experience playing pro, and I don't want to, like, there's things that I could, like, change if I could go in the past, but really, I don't regret any of it, Mm. right? So, if I'm looking at it like that, I would recommend people to try to follow wherever, like, their passion takes them. Would you say, if you're very passionate about League, is the game much more enjoyable and beautiful at the highest level you can get? It's the, the intricacies at the highest level for League are, are definitely beautiful, and they're definitely... Um, it's the things that I still care about now, even though I'm not playing. Watching someone, a team play, like, not a flawless game, but just execute on some things in the game at a very high level and have the opponent uh, mm. op- opposing team like respond to it perfectly is is very beautiful. It's kind of like I keep going back to it but it's kind of like the painting a picture thing. Mm. Everyone's really trying to p- paint like their Mona Lisa game and yeah. when it actually does happen at mm-hmm. the highest level for example at the World Championships it's really like very very beautiful for a spectator. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which which was super hype. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially the 2022 one. Yeah, so that's um, to go back on that. The 22, the 2022 championship was essentially like, hey, we we have this team and we're clicking at the right time. Everyone's finally doing their best, and we're peaking at just the right time, and we have an actual chance at the championship, which is like very rare to see. Usually. Um, there's like a very favorite team and they kind of run through everyone. Mm-hmm. No contest, right? <laughs> so the fact that 2022 championships like played out the way it did is very like, it's just like a Cinderella story. That's all it is, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's like a universal story that in most sports people like the comeback games when you were nearly losing and then you turn the tide, you win uh, by like very thin margin, you yeah. barely make it. Uh, is that one of your favorite types of games in general you play uh, rather than a demolishing easy victory? Sort of, not easy, but um, where you outclassed your opponent. Um, it's definitely more fun to play the close games uh, because there's kind of like a factor of neither team is playing perfectly, right? Every, both teams are making many mistakes mm-hmm. and then contrast that with like one team is like clearly dominant in either strategy or like mechanics or just they're generally too good for the opposing team that tends to lead to like it might make it one team seem like oh they're untouchable but they're not very they're not as entertaining i guess right Mm -hmm. um so yeah i prefer like the close matches the ones where you don't really know who's going to win um at the same time it's kind of like the opposite thought when you're playing pro you want to orchestrate like the perfect game 
And you are very proud when, like, for example, like, oh, my teammate, my teammates knew exactly what I was going to do here, mm-hmm. and they played it perfectly, and this situation ended better than I expected. This kind of feeling is like kind of magical in game two, mm. uh, but that's from like a player point of view. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, I want to ask you about your uh, name, username in the game. Uh, it is Gate, mm-hmm. and A. I just always have a hard time choosing a nickname, username in the any side game. And what what made you choose that? And how um, did you like it? The mm-hmm. sound of it, or what made you make that choice? Okay, so I think I kind of fall in the bucket of. Uh, there was like a timeline where all the Korean pros just picked one word names, and I was like, "Oh, those that's pretty cool, right?" <laughs> uh, in game, why? So one, the name gate was available in like game in the client. Really? And one of my uh, one of my friends was like, "Oh, you should take take this name. It's a cool short word, right?" I'm yeah. like, "Sure, of course, I'll just take it, right?" So I made an account with it. Um, but honestly, at the time, I associated it differently because the main champions I was playing also had that word in their skills. They had um, two of the champions I played had gate in their skill name. So I, when people ask the same question, <laughs> that's what I told them. Rather than like, oh, I'm a Korean fanboy for the short words. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, picking like a name like gate is not very... Uh, I did. I guess I didn't put that much thought into okay. it, right? It's not something that um, carries a lot of weight with me because uh, mm-hmm. most of the, the friends I've met through esports or they know me well in the game, they kind of still call me Austin. They call me by my first name, right? Yeah. So it's not something I'm like especially attached to. So it's it, that you don't get to hear that every day from people when you play with them, or uh, I do, and I'm just very indifferent, I guess, about okay. it. It's nothing like. Uh, so, so, so there's some players that only respond to their name, right? I definitely am not one of them, mm. right? Uh, yeah. And even in, so currently working at Riot, um, we have two Austins on our team. So a lot of people on my team just call me Gate. Because really? they actually Still. know me. Well, they probably know me more, um, know of me before I joined the team through esports, right? Mm-hmm. So it might be pretty natural for them to say that. And it's like an easier way to distinguish two people, right? So yeah, like and, I, and I'm like perfectly okay with that too. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so cool. You get to choose a name for yourself, and then that carries with you even after you transition to different stage. Yeah, yeah. It's well, I guess it's uh, it is a different stage, but I'm still kind of like I'm essentially across the street from where I used to be. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's not so far, I guess. Yeah. yeah, LCS is like here, and then I still see a lot of the players that yeah. I used to play with, and we like ate in the right cafeteria and stuff. Yeah. So it's it doesn't feel like I'm far. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, um, I want to ask you about the career longevity in esports. Uh, I know there used to be a stereotype that you have to be young. Uh, like early 20s to maintain high high level of reaction skill and it looks like people are getting older and still are just as good in some other esports say like same Starcraft 2 yeah uh, do you do you think that is true or is the age still important like in other sports okay so I think this is a pretty interesting topic there's a f- quite a few like ways you can approach it um 
One thing that is kind of factual and something important to think about when just trying to talk about this topic is League is a game that changes heavily. The cadence of change is very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, this means like a couple different things. So the players, there's players that have been playing since season one, right? And they've actually kind of seen like the way things change over time, multiple times, multiple cycles, right? Yeah. So they kind of know what to expect. Like, oh, if uh, we raise power in like 80 carries, what will this do to the rest of the characters? Mm -hmm. Or like they can see kind of like the ripple effect clearer. Yeah. At least faster than newer players. For example, like let's say someone started playing last year, they wouldn't really know like this change could mean this change in the future, right? Um, on the same point, since we add so many new things and so many new characters and so many new items and all skills, whatever, it, it helps to be able to like pick those things up fast, mm-hmm. which is what I think new players have over the players that played for a long time. Even though older players have more experience with overall. Yeah, so it's there's like just a very intricate balance here between like how quickly you pick something up mm-hmm. versus how well you can recognize a pattern, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, the old pl- older players, what they have um, is they're a bit more, like, uh, ha- they're harder to shake when it comes to, like, changing or changes in general. They just have seen it all, and they have an easy way of, like, for example, Faker has really been playing for, like, eight years pro, I think, and I think it's pretty hard for him to be in a situation where he doesn't know what's going on. Mm. Whereas a new player might be like completely shaken in that situation, right? Um, I think the debate for like, oh, can they have just the same reaction speed or like same reflexes? I think that's generally kind of bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, doesn't matter. <laughs> if I think about yeah. my reaction time when I was 20, so now I'm like 28, right? I don't really think it's that much different. Yeah. <laughs> or at least my perception, I guess. I could be wrong. Uh, but I think... But you can get into Challenger if you want. Yeah, like, so... Easily. Uh, the, I think the main difference for people that have been playing along is they really do get burnt uh, from the game. They're really burnt out. Mm-hmm. And it it takes that much more mental energy for them to like focus on like the same things that they used to be able to focus on easily. Mm. Um, that being said, I think there's another thing to think about is the older players, uh, when it comes to, since it's a team game, they actually already know like which moving po- uh, pieces of the team it takes to like make a team function, whereas newer players really need guidance on this like aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the most successful teams, honestly, are just a mix. Yeah. Where there's like new players open to new ideas, open to tr- uh, like doing a lot of uh, innovative, innovative stuff, strategies or like playstyles, and they have like a backbone of like kind of a veteran player mm-hmm. that is kind of willing to hand them like the guide on how to like proceed. Yeah. yeah. Generally, that's like in my head at least like a working formula in having like a functional team when it comes to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in terms of um it's always hard to say when is a good time to move on, right? Especially if it's a very lucrative opportunity and I'm sure people like Faker will keep playing for a very long time since 
Do you, do you think he's the best? Actually, uh, I wanted to check with you. If he's not the best, I would. I don't know who would be, because he's the most recognizable, mm -hmm. right? Um, and he's like I said, he's been through his the longevity of his career through many different like. Uh, honestly, we mess around with the game so much that like it's surprising to see someone as dominant as him for that period of time. There's even been periods where people think, "Oh, he's very, he's really not as good as he used to be," mm -hmm. and that is met with like resistance, where people would be like, "I think he's just as good, or if not better than before." Right? So yeah. the fact that there's even controversy around that, and like people are willing to debate these things, make him like unrivaled, right? Mm -hmm. So I think he's. Uh, if not, if he's not the best, then he's still the star of the game. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So basically, him being able to stay at this highest level across many iterations of the game and uh, perform and attract this much attention, audience is a testament to yeah. his skill. Yes. And anyone that like is against that means a they, hater. They're just kind of hating, right? <laughs> you can't really hate on like facts. I guess. Yeah. 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 Which I think he has. He has too many. He's won world championships too many times. He's proven that like he can play. Um, there's a, so as a mid laner, mm -hmm. he has. He really has played everything, and like it's hard to imagine him struggling because of like certain champion picks or certain players or anything. He's like very easily able to overcome it. Yeah, right? yeah. Which uh, goes on into that question that I wanted to ask in the first place how to transition and a like when do you decide that that is a time to move on uh, since you as you mentioned it's most of your conscious effort in the last few years and maybe years before that was just focusing on the game how do you transition to the next step what makes you transition and um, I guess in your case how did you get into coaching after mm -hmm. that um, so I would say, at least, okay, so I'll speak to my own experience, I guess. Um, so after playing pro, and I did not get as many opportunities, so I ended up going towards academy. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of opportunities to move in between the two teams, but there was never really, like, a solid option uh, like that I could see to stay in the league or keep playing at a certain level. So at some point, I decided that it's probably like better for me to start thinking about oh what am i gonna do after i stop playing league right mm -hmm. uh, and i something uh, uh i'm pretty lucky that league you can have some diverging career paths like coaching is one of them um that's kind of like a natural thing for players that have been playing a while to like oh i have a lot to give back still and mm -hmm. i want to do that in the term in the way like i want to show newer players what i've learned essentially yeah. right um this is something I think I kind of dabbled in. I think I'm proficient, but not exceptional at it. And it is still, it is also like a craft that I I have interest in, but it's, uh, I didn't know how to express a lot of like what I learned immediately and provide value, right? Mm -hmm. So I think coaching is pretty interesting but not every player that has played the game at the top level will be able to do it well. Mm -hmm. So I then started looking into other career paths, pretty much. And um, one of my friends, David, he recommended me for Riot and working on the game analysis team. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of 
similar to coaching, but mostly applying like a lot of my league knowledge on like a day-to-day basis yeah. and like working on like future projects for a league, right? And I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty interesting right away. Mm-hmm. So um, it's pretty interesting what you can do after you're done playing league and how you like transition out of that is kind of a different pace for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, since you said not all top players are good coaches, but can a, say, not a very top-level player become a good coach? Um, I think that's also an interesting debate. Um, my immediate answer is yes. It's kind of And like, I don't mean you, because yeah, you're yeah. clearly a top player. Uh, there's a lot of viewpoints on, oh, like, do I need to play the game proficiently in order to observe it at a high level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it does not go hand in hand, I guess. It really, to see the game at a high level and like interpret it at a high level kind of just takes repetition. And like, so someone that has just watched film of the game for like 10,000 hours, for example, mm-hmm. um, they definitely don't understand the game at the same level as someone that played 10,000 hours. Yeah. But at the same time, the person that has played 10,000 hours has a very skewed, like, narrow viewpoint, mm. right? So it's a pretty interesting debate, and I think a lot, of, a lot of coaches that are hired, for example, they are former players, but a lot of them, that d- doesn't mean they were successful um, mm-hmm. in what they're doing, whether in playing or coaching, and there were a lot of coaches that, for instance, they did not play at a high level they were honestly probably not even like plat or gold uh in like skill rank right but that was not like important of a factor for them to be able to see the game in a high level that was at that time or it's still true so i've had coaches that are um that are gold or plat level but they're not so it's that's why i was saying it's um they provide a pretty unique viewpoint Hmm. and when you kind of like break it down it's more of just Analytically, um, the a game of league is broken down into like options. Yeah, and like whatever options your character has is like it. It, it pretty much shifts. You can view the game in a lot of different ways, and I think one of the viewpoints I thought was interesting was that one where they kind of break the game down like minute by minute, and like think about oh, this is what my character can do, mm. and. But I don't think a normal player thinks that way right away, right? Because they kind of don't see... They don't. They wouldn't break the game down like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I, I wonder, um, what would you say if you were able to be your, your own coach back five, six years ago, but you had today's understanding of, of life, of league, of uh, esports in general? Um, I probably would... Uh, number one thing is kind of moderation. I was going too crazy on like volume and like playing the game a lot. Uh, like grinding? Grinding, yeah. Uh, not to say that's like bad, but there's like a healthy level where like I can have like a, a good mental state and like I will still be proficient at the game. Pretty much I would balance my life a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like kind of... I don't want to take that for granted because honestly, I was pretty young when I was playing first, and I was just so excited to play, right? Yeah. Uh, but I, if I had that kind of the guidance, um, I really think 
it would have been easier. <laughs> would you listen to it though? <laughs> um, if I knew it was going to help me, yes. Yeah.、Um, but you know, you kind of have when you're.、Uh, So when I joined,、uh, when I joined the league, I, I, honestly, it's hard not to just take the wheel and just do whatever you want, right?、Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think having more guidance would help. Yeah. Since it's a very competitive environment and you want to be the best, and this is an opportunity、uh, that it's hard to get, how do you draw the line between healthy moderation in terms of just sheer volume of practice? And like, is there a set number of hours or like things you want to incorporate into your life other than、uh, practice?、Uh, so I think it's very important to have physical activity,、mm -hmm. uh, go to the gym, or like pretty much do something every day to improve your body.、Mm -hmm. um, I really don't think this was super emphasized for at least、uh, players really have like a hard time juggling this,、mm -hmm. especially the younger you are, right?、Um, But、uh, I think at least currently, a lot of the teams put like a pretty high emphasis on this.、Um, so alongside that, so it's hard to know what is too much in terms of play because how can you really say like, hey, I don't think you should play another two hours. Whereas、uh, a lot of the players, like the Korean players that are imported here, they will play two more hours than、mm. you. So you feel almost like pressured. Pressured,、uh, but. There's like you kind of have to know what works for yourself ultimately, right?、Mm -hmm. You can't just copy this guy and like copy his exactly what he does and expect to get the same result, right? Because you're just a different person.、Mm. So, in overall these years、uh, of league, since you started、uh, as a professional player or even amateur, how much has the scene changed till now? Mm, it's changed. Okay, so a lot of the faces have come in and out, whether it be players or just players or people involved in the scene.、Um, there is this. Okay, so it's a lot more professional now, and the thought initially when I was joining or trying to go pro was like, I'm gonna get、um, a team. Of the best players I know, and we're gonna make it to the top, kind of like a,、mm -hmm. like a childish goal almost, and that is really not like a possible goal anymore.、Um, but before there was a lot more in innocence, I guess, when it comes to like believing, like, oh, you can be the best, or you can be, you can, you are able to make a team. And if you guys work hard enough, you could be the best. Because the things weren't figured out yet. Yeah, a lot of、um, so a lot of you, you like I said, there was like a relegation system. And honestly, if you're an aspiring player, you just try to get your friends or the best pl the players you meet in solo queue, the best of them, right? And you honestly believe you have a shot in taking down like a professional team、mm. because a professional team really didn't have as much re like resources as they do today because、mm -hmm. a professional team really well they get paid a lot they have minimum three coaches they have analysts that help them、uh, they have a, like a full facility of like food and like an office space、mm -hmm. they have all these things that Like an eighteen-year-old kid now will not have right, yeah. And、um, I think that is like the biggest change from the scene when I try to go pro. 
versus what it is now, which is like kind of expected because esports has grown a lot since then. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's so that's why I had a hard time imagining like someone aspiring to go pro today. They have a lot more hurdles to jump over yeah. than when I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now that you are working uh, officially at Riot for a few years uh, now? No, no, not too long. I think I just barely passed a year. Just barely passed a year. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned the name of the team that you're on is Game... Uh, game Analysis Game team. Analysis yeah. Team, which studies and tests different things, which... We should be very careful <laughs> what you're <laughs> talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. Just uh, in general, uh, what is it like to a join the company that made the, if it's fair to say, game the main game in your life? And did you feel exhilarated, or was it something that, mm, like you said, like after pro gaming, it was like a big high, and it's just something cool to do afterwards but it, it it doesn't have like say the competitive uh, high of winning mm-hmm. um that's that point you just said is definitely true um the competitive like okay wanting to be the best at something and doing it over and over that portion of my life is like been suppressed a bit because i'm not playing in pro right uh but at the same time i've been always even just not even with league I remember my first like few times I was so interested in like game balance and like how the game changes based on change uh changes in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh growing up that was like a big interest for me. So being able to do something similar for the game that I was playing for such a long time definitely like was very high interest for me. Mm-hmm. Um as for like day to day, it's completely different, right? Um uh, I will say the most the thing I'm most like thankful for is my stress level playing in pro versus here is like like a <laughs> nine versus like a two. Wow. I am not like losing hair every <laughs> day yeah. tr- trying to do stuff. Um, but I think yeah, it's just like a big uh, it's a big change up from what I've been experiencing the last mm-hmm. few or honestly more than few years like last like eight years of my life, and I think that's cool because there's. Um, that's how I know, like, I've kind of closed the chapter on that mm-hmm. and I'm doing something different. Yeah. And even though it's pretty much directly correlated <laughs> to it, but yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, next chapter is very close. <laughs> yeah. It's close. In the book. Across the street. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Riot Plus is like, for those who don't know, it's really good at uh, work-life balance. Yeah. Especially if you're a gamer, I think. <laughs> yeah, they provide everything, right? Yeah. So... Um, since League itself is a extremely complicated uh, game in terms of variables and so many A champions, B they themselves have many abilities and how they interact between each other. How can you balance this? Even like how how is that possible? And how is it possible to do that on such a frequent cadence compared to other games that do it super rarely? Um, there's a high level of, uh, I guess, communication between us and community uh, viewpoint, I guess. Mm-hmm. If something is super egregious, I think we're very quick to act on it. If it doesn't feel right, 
Um, and as people that play the game, that's something we like lean on, I guess. Mm-hmm. If this doesn't feel right to play or play against or feels crazy, or we'll, we'll be able to tell um, intuitively. And uh, if we can't, there's a lot of systems that I, uh, I'm lucky, like people before me worked on that are able to inform us, uh, like these metrics are off or like, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of tools available to us pretty much outside of just like playing the game. Yeah. And it's, uh, I won't say like League is always balanced, especially on new, like new releases. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, like we've always been like one foot, like too far one way or the other pretty much when it comes to balance, but we're pretty, what is good about Riot and how we balance things is it's quickly um, rectified or we have like a very uh, big plan on like things we could change to fix it before we even release it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of planning pretty much. Mm. Uh, what What would you say like some of the most exciting things you get to to do with with the balance or like with helping it, the balance of the team uh, I of think, the game i think since i can lean on my many years of pro experience mm-hmm. we often do a lot of things for pro play whether it be like introducing new champions or like making like a class of characters more viable or mm-hmm. making like uh, or maybe giving like a mechanic to one character that can change everything um I can lean on like what I've experienced and what would even uh, small things that are tweaked that I would think have a huge impact on pro. Mm-hmm. These are the things I think I'm particularly good at or yeah. at least have like a strong eye for. And it's cool to see because I worked with a lot of the changes that directly related to the last year's worlds mm-hmm. and it turned out to be one of the most successful ones, right? And it's something I can like be pretty proud of like oh I contributed to the most of like what made the viewing experience so cool right yeah and that's like oh wow like and I actually going there and seeing it for myself made it like feel a lot more real right mm, in yeah. san francisco yeah yeah to chase uh, arena yeah right? yeah oh man i wish i was there but i uh <laughs> wasn't able I had to cancel my ticket yeah but um yeah as, as far as um on, on the balance team well i keep i keep calling it balance team which it isn't it's a uh, game analysis so we're yeah. essentially we work adjacent to them right the yeah. balance team but we're essentially the playtest team but uh it's so it used to be called the playtest team mm-hmm. but we have more we have more things that we provide other than playtesting mm-hmm. right so that's like it's like a bulk of our work i guess yeah yeah uh in terms of pro play versus regular casual players does it ever happen where a change could improve a pro play fairness, say, but it would drastically make an even impact on casual players who don't have that skill set? I or? think that happens kind of frequently, actually, where uh, it could be intended or unintended that like we tweak something with a champion and it for example, it like dramatically reduces the win rate or increases mm-hmm. the win rate in like gold or silver or platinum, right? And that is something um, we've gotten better over the years at. But at the same time, um, without changing like something drastically, it's hard to just tweak numbers and make everyone happy, right? Mm-hmm. 
which like makes you there's always like a balanced debate like do we tune the game for the vast majority of the population which is like non-pro right yeah or do we tune it for the the majority but have pro play suffer Mm -hmm. Uh, and like what do we why do we even do these things like um if we lowered like this champion's pick rate by 20 percent in pro um but the champion is way worse when it comes to regular play is that something desirable there's Mm -hmm. always a lot of these questions that are like what do we gain and what do we lose i guess right Mm -hmm. um which is like it it, they're all pretty case by case i would think um There's no, there's no Bible, I guess, mm-hmm. on like what is correct. Always just the debate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, casual players, I'm extremely terrible <laughs> at league, <laughs> but uh, I noticed a sentiment that, in, just in general, uh, my colleagues, a lot of them mention that they're very bad at league when they talk about it and they um, don't want to play bad and say suck, which I don't agree even, uh, and make a bad experience for someone else. And for me, I a, think there's like a disconnect between, I think you can enjoy game without even winning technically. Um, because I enjoy other competitive games and I even when I lose and I ha- like having the mindset where I can enjoy a game losing it even yeah. though and B uh, I think that kind of mindset makes new players alienated from joining the game because uh, if you enjoy the process itself you, you can enjoy the process of becoming better at it um, that's definitely true I think for League partially I would think this is because it's a team game right yeah uh it's okay so well i think also so to go back on like the new player experience um so league has tutorials and things that like teach you how to play and like what 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 is overwhelming for new players is there's so much um like knowledge intake right away Mm -hmm. especially when you queue uh, against people like so you can play against bots and you can like kind of learn at your own pace, but yeah. the moment you get thrown into an actual match where things are happening and people are talking and like uh, you don't know for sure, you don't know what everything does. Um, you like kind of just uh, do things or learn things through like osmosis, pretty much. Things happen around you, mm-hmm. and like you don't know if they're good or they're yeah. bad, or it's so ambiguous. You kind of need uh, like someone to hold your hand through it, mm-hmm. and. I don't think that's like super easy to for most people to have like to ask for at least right like yeah oh like I'm gonna hold your hand through a thousand League of Legends games <laughs> and like you're gonna be good at it right that's yeah. gonna be that's a big ask I guess right yeah um, whereas like a lot of even competitive games for like for instance like last year I played a lot of Guilty Gear Strife mm-hmm. which is a fighting game right and you can play it at a pretty high and technical level. But most of my, like, growth is literally just playing the game on my own, like, fully understanding what is happening by watching the game over Mm -hmm. and, like, dissecting it and then kind of, okay, next game, I'm not going to do that. Or, yeah, I know how these moves work together now, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of self-learning that is directly correlated into winning and, like, progressing and, like, getting better, right? Whereas League, it's very ambiguous. You don't really know... uh, 
other than like sheer champion mastery, like oh, I know how these skills work better mm-hmm. over ten games, over a hundred games, right? Uh, even if I if that does happen, I get better at this thing. Well, what if I play the next, the second champion out of like a hundred sixty-five or something, right? Mm-hmm. It's completely like it's just like a huge daunting task, I think, for new players mm-hmm. and. On top of that, there's like teammates criticizing them because they also have like a different viewpoint on like yeah. what should happen in the game. Like, hey, why aren't you doing this? Like, th- what you did here really screwed me over. A lot of these things like really weigh heavily on players. So that's why I think it's hard to attract new players to league. Mm-hmm. Um, they just feel like they have to learn too much. Yeah, it certainly feels like a lot of information at once. Like, even though it's a simpler game in terms of some things are removed from let's say some other MOBAs which I liked because when I played Dota I didn't I didn't I wasn't a big fan of having a career uh, and like managing yeah. that as well and plus it had like more extra stuff to to learn but at the same time uh, it's it's very tempting to just learn one one champion yeah and only play that champion or like couple of champions and then once you get that comfortable with them it feels in a way, uh, harder to pick up a new one yeah. and so to ingrained. embrace the suck, yeah. yeah, again, of learning from scratch. Right, so I think League even kind of, if you really, like, dig deeper into, like, how League works, it almost advertises itself as, like, a single-player game with people because you're, one, you're not really, uh, when you play the game, you can play as one or two people, right? You can play, you can queue as one or two, right? Yeah. So you're essentially thrown in with strangers and at most one person, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like the normal default game mode. You can play with four other people. Like you can play with your friends. uh, You can like pretty much, but your rank journey starts with you alone. Mm. And like you try to like learn all these things to improve what you do, but you kind of don't even understand the team aspect of it and that part is not emphasized even though at the highest level this is like the most important thing right Mm -hmm. so they kind of do baby you because you kind of just learn how things work without the grand picture like the you pretty much learn how to do the painting without the frame Mm. right and it doesn't make sense right away but after you play for a long time then you start like oh we can like make these things happen as three players, four players, five players, right? You understand the things that are possible, and then you, like, feel the level up. Yeah. But so the level up is very slow, right? And you to get there, to get, like, to a satisfying stage where you feel like you're learning, often it just takes too long. And mm-hmm. compared to, like, a different ride title like Valorant, Valorant is very, like, it's the same idea. It's like a team game, 5v5. But you can break everything down into, like, oh, I should have just shot him better or like I should have not stood here it's way easier to process than a league game Mm. league is like yeah there's just too many variables a lot of the times for like newer players and also like going back to the top down view even like strategy view is to my uh, surprise sometimes hard to understand that it's a mouse uh, based movement versus uh, WASD yeah Uh, and to me, as coming from RTS background, like this is natural and this, this makes sense. But um, yeah, what would you say like a healthy, casual approach to to league thinking of as a new player, not trying to become a pro player, just to yeah, enjoy yeah. the game? Like, 
it's it's yeah. hard to like if I were to advise someone pretty much right I would think always play with somebody because someone better than you of course right and it's because you'll learn like exponentially faster mm-hmm. you're you're essentially downloading what they're telling you right not to say they know everything or, or yeah. whatever but you can already form like a pretty solid uh, opinion on how the game works mm-hmm. just from that so you'll learn faster then when you kind of have mastery over what you're doing um really like every game you play kind of rewatch it and like kind of understand why you did the things you did mm-hmm. because if you don't what a lot of the times happens is you just autopilot through a game and at the end you're like oh, i don't really know who i won or how did i lose or like yeah. you don't get anything from it and that's something I feel like pro players do at like a high level. Mm-hmm. Every they break down everything, especially like why they lost the game, for example, right? Yeah. And that thing that comes very easily to them. And to someone who wa- just wants to get like oh to like an acceptable level of skill or like mm-hmm. pretty good and like oh I can carry my friends or I can like do these cool things, right? Um just be in kind of on that improvement mindset and just be like don't be too open exactly to exactly what people tell you. Just know why they're saying the things they're saying and mm-hmm. be able to like parse it pretty much right and like kind of download your surroundings um mm-hmm. it's harder said than done pretty much but i think that is like the easiest way for someone to get into the game okay just yeah. find a friend who is really good and oh good better than you that yeah can... they don't have to be really good but like yeah. someone you can learn from pretty much yeah yeah uh does reading guides there are so many websites and youtube channels on Yeah, so there's there's a large amount of information, but this information is not always useful or even correct. There's just um I feel like that's like a common symptom when in the age we're living in, you get overloaded with stuff, mm-hmm. but you don't really know why you're even looking at it or like why you're absorbing it or mm-hmm. why like these things are happening pretty much, right? And it's kind of up to you. So for example if you're consuming leak content and you read like 20 guides on like how to play your character, right? How do you know what's right other mm-hmm. than doing it yourself and like ex- seeing what happens and like really like understanding why things are happening, yeah. right? So don't read too much. Uh I I guess it goes like it's different for person to person, but definitely sitting there and like only observing is slower than doing it yourself. Mm. Yeah. And it's more fun to participate yeah, and yeah, play the game than read about the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that is the scary part about League. It's almost encouraged to like please know all these things before you enter, right? And like mm. that can be a turn-off, I guess, in people that want to like just start a game and play. Yeah. Yeah. You can enjoy the League without being good. Or yeah. like being uh very knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Moving to uh final set there are slightly more general questions uh I want to ask you in terms of your own career your favorite game or moments and why Okay um most favorite game I th- there's a few I guess that come to mind um there was a game where I was playing on Phoenix 1 and We were pretty underdog in terms of like record and score mm-hmm. and everything. We were playing against TSM who was I think they had one lo- or they had, they were 
actually, I remember it now. They're undefeated, mm-hmm. and、uh, a perfect split is that 18, season. Yes, the perfect. So they're fifteen zero or sixteen zero, and we upset them in a best of three,、uh, which was pretty unexpected. We kind of、um, so pretty much when you're trying to play against a team that you think is better than you, you kind of have to do more. You kind of have to. Unhinge yourself a bit and like be more willing to take risks.、Mm-hmm. Um, and we played a three-game series and we ended up winning.、Uh, and I've never been like the 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 fan line at the、uh, outside of the arena has never been longer for our team, which was like very surprising.、Oh. I, and I remember it's very euphoric because like、um, I even remember looking at the clouds、uh, outside. It's like it was a really weird. Weather situation and the clouds were like red or something,、mm. so I, it was very memorable because、yeah. uh, like all these things lined up for us to actually beat them.、Um, the most exciting venue or place that I've played at was in Madison Square Garden、mm-hmm. in New York, mostly because that was the first season I entered pro, and I remember、um, I was、uh, obviously super nervous, but. The arena was huge, and I, I was just so curious on like how many people were actually there. So I remember I turned around to the ref. I was like, "So like how many? We were we were it was the day before, so、mm-hmm. we we're doing like prep pretty much."、Uh, <laughs> I asked the ref like, "How many people are going to be here?" And he said about a thousand something. I'm like, "Oh, that's not that bad." Like, I kind of don't really know what a thousand people looks <laughs> like in front of me, but it doesn't sound that bad. And then I realized. Um, later, when we were actually playing, he did not mean a thousand. It was ten thousand. Oh, it was ten thousand. So I was, I、uh, the main、uh, thing I felt.、Uh, I've never felt this before, but、um, when there's sounds in the game, they obviously have like a huge、mm-hmm. screen to show the audience what's、yeah. going on, right? And like when there's like big actions taking in the game. Like somebody, the base of the actual sound, I can like feel the stage shaking, right? Wow! So it's like very, <laughs> for one of my first like few experience playing live and like in front of a crowd, I was kind of like overwhelmed. Yeah, from the just sensory.、Input. Yeah, just wow!、Well, it just feels like everything. Sh- it feels like an earthquake, right? <laughs> and uh, it's like uh, it's cool because. It means the enemy team is doing something because I can hear my team sound、mm. right. So I'm like, oh, the stage is shaking. They're doing <laughs> something. Yeah, like, we can anticipate it. But yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. There, there's a lot of cool pro experiences. I think that, like, for example, that one right where I'm like, like so excited to just be doing whatever I'm doing. Yeah. yeah.、Uh, speaking, actually, you mentioned that、uh, nervousness and anxiety. Did you get that a lot? Uh, in fr- playing in front of public, and how did you deal with it if you had it?、Um, so I think my first year, yes, because it's such a new thing for me.、Uh, I didn't really think I played worse. I guess it was more.、Uh, sometimes it could get into my head that like, oh, I need to like prepare myself. I'm gonna be doing like such an important action here or something, right? But.、Um, I think if that's something that actually affects you a lot, like I can't play in front of a crowd or something, right? Then it's gonna be hard to be a pro player because that's something you have to do constantly, right?、Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had like kind of a weird situation because I was playing pro during the pandemic, and eventually it turned back into we can play in the studio. Yeah,、um, it was pretty weird because actually playing in 
outside of the studio, just playing in my bedroom pretty much, right? The actual official matches mm -hmm. made me feel like <clears throat> a lot less was at stake because I'm like in my underwear or just like in my shorts or whatever, right? Mm. I'm not actually like f totally like focused or in the in the zone when it mm. comes to like playing an official match, which I actually think like a lot of players struggled with. They would much rather have the pressure of like playing in front of a mm. live audience or something, right? So that pressure does affect performance. It does. And, uh, in a good but way. But it could go either way. Mm. I think that's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Some people really need that pressure to even play at their highest level. And sometimes that pressure makes people play a lot worse. But for me, it was mostly I prefer to have uh, or be playing in front of a crowd because it, I, I think it made me focus a little harder on like whatever I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And plus enjoy. Enjoy the game. Yeah, especially it, so in Madison Square, I could feel like, okay, if something good happened for us, you could feel the shaking of the the cheering, right? So, yeah, it's just so, such a like a unique feeling. Yeah, that's that is awesome. Yeah. Um. Next question is, uh, who were your biggest role models? Mm -hmm. In, it could be in life in general. Doesn't have to be league, but if it's league, then um. Yeah, honestly, so going into even like my first few years of playing pro, I didn't really have role models, I guess. There's players that I thought, oh, these players are doing this better than me. I should learn from them. But I kind of didn't like try to like uh, model myself after them, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's a few players that I try to be similar to in terms of like mindset and uh <clears throat> one of them was Bjergsen that for my first year he was so he's known as like one of the best mid players uh in North America mm -hmm. but it was surprised me initially cuz as a newer player I kind of uh expected to be ignored but when I was playing uh, against him a lot in the scrim games or on stage he would actually chat with me a lot and like give me feedback or like tell me stuff that I should know. Mm -hmm. Whereas like a lot of the other players would kind of ignore me because they're, they don't want to talk to like a newer, it's like low value for them, I guess. Mm. Right. So yeah, I guess he was one of the quote unquote role models because I tried to like do what he did for other people that were talking to me or like trying to just like share strategy or mm -hmm. like just generally try to help people out pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Without trying to get something in return. Yeah. 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 Being a little, yeah, pretty much, yeah, selfless. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, just, I forgot, since you mentioned screams, I had a quick question about, yeah. ha has it ever happened when you had a practice against someone and you had a match with them soon, so you had kind oh, of yeah. weird um, mind games? Okay, so generally, this is how things work. You, so we uh, don't play... Oh, I bet. Good. I'm getting a call or something. Oh, I don't know. Just these headphones making a noise. Let's just throw okay. them. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. So I was gonna say um, something that happens in scrims or what? What you would do is you have two matches per week, um, Saturday and Sunday, right? Yeah. You will not be practicing against those two teams that week. Like you and the schedule would not you uh, for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. right? You don't want to leak your strategy and what you're playing. Yeah. Um. But there's nothing you can do sometimes when 
for example, in a tournament, there's four teams left. And, like, there's semifinals, and then there's finals after it. So you have two teams that you play against, right? Um, and then when it comes to finals, you're, you're, you played them last week. You kind of already know what they're going to do, right? So generally, the answer to your question is they don't. We just don't interact. But in the case that you do... Um, you might even do the, like really dumb stuff. Like mm -hmm. you might play things that you don't play to make them think that you might play it in the match, uh, which has happened for sure. That means in the choice of champions. Yeah, well, usually yeah. it comes in the choice of champions. That's where you. That's like ultimately that's where the cheese is. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to cheese someone in league, you play some uh, matchup where they really don't know what's going to happen yeah. because the volume that they have is very low. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually, so for like a big part of my career, focused a lot in like uh, when I switched from mid to support role, I had a pretty big champion pool and a lot of them were just very unconventional stuff where... Um, the main power is we pick it early in the pick ban, and they think it's going to a dip so somewhere else, and I eventually have it, and we counterpick them in a different role. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was like a big like like <laughs> uno reverse card for most most teams. Yeah, mm. yeah. Would you be able to predict like during the pick time once it's finished who? Is going to win like reliably or that's still not there's a lot of variance i think yeah. so you can be con so when you think about stuff like that you should think in terms of options like my character has these options in this part of the game against mm -hmm. this character and that's like a fact or based on there, there's obviously even more variables than that but uh, a bad matchup would be like oh he did this action that's nothing i can do i mm -hmm. have to watch or mm. I have to just accept that happen and play at like two, uh, minus 200 gold lead pretty much, right? There's, those are the bad matchups. Or mm. this champion casted this spell at this range. It's too long of a range for me to counterattack, right? Yeah. There's a lot of those like situations where specific interactions or spe specific champion pairings are very favorable. Um, that doesn't ultimately determine like the results of the game. Mm-hmm. But, like, a common thing players will do if, like, they lose terribly in, in a game is they will blame the coach for pick ban because they just think they had nothing to work with, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of similar, like, in sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game loses, the coach gets the, the blame. The coach, generally, what I've noticed is the coaches in the league, they like to take the blame because that kind of makes the players play better. Mm -hmm. They, like... If they think go into a match with the mentality like, uh, if I win, it's because of me, and if we lose, it's the coach's fault. They kind of play a lot more free and like mm. liberated, pretty much, right? But yeah, because the coach will take. And take yeah, and, and probably when the coach says that, he doesn't even mean it. It's like if you play bad, you play bad, right? Mm. But uh, knowing that, like, they won't be upset or like people just want you to do your best. They play a lot more free. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm curious, is, uh, right now it looks like it certainly is, the league is going to be always with you? Are you like a diehard fan? You intend to keep that um, big um, part of your life moving on? Uh, to be fair, uh, it's been kind of going like less and less, I guess, my mm -hmm. interest. Um, but with that said, I pretty much still watch it every time it comes on. I just have um, most of like the 
care I have for the league is with the people, yeah. right? Uh, and generally, there's less and less people that I know or care about each year in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I would expect, like, in, like, two to three years, I probably wouldn't know anyone playing in the league. Mm. I just, like, start to be lower and no- lower, right? Yeah. And with that, my interest would, like, slowly go down. Because of your group and the yeah, circle yeah. of people. Yeah, but I think that's all pretty normal. Yeah. yeah. It's not a factor <clears throat> of the game's performance. I do care a lot about, like, league as a game. Yeah. But that is not tied to, like, LCS, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I, I Like, for example, I would really love, like, a re- very interesting world championship, right? But I would not care if, like, the LCS did good or bad. I would feel better if they did, like, if my league did better internationally, right? Yeah. That would be kind of like, oh, yeah, we're not as bad as people think. But, yeah, uh, it's I'm not so tied to it, though, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what would it take for an AA team to win the world? Uh, okay, maybe it's, like, kind of... Uh, unpopular opinion but I think we're closer than people think um, uh, it's it's bad to say it's gonna be luck but it will take some luck um, because generally um, if if we change the game in a way that's favorable for teams practicing uh, in an a uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a multiple of different ways right uh, we have a decent chance less than like 30% but like I think that's pretty good odds <laughs> because yeah. historically uh, North America has not been great internationally right yeah. but to win the whole thing really just takes one team kind of clicking at the right time mm-hmm. it doesn't take like we're not so far off that we can't be at that level pretty much yeah uh, does that also apply to EU? Uh, I think so yeah, yeah. Uh, EU has been even closer than NA because in 20... 20 worlds, I think. Mm-hmm. It was Fnatic in the finals, mm. right? So they made it to the finals, um, which is yeah. more than they can say, yeah. <laughs> for now. Yeah, for now. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you made um, in general in the career that you learned the most from? Um, I think number one thing is being too attached to like uh, if you have something for example uh, to your teammates I guess this is kind of like an industry where you really won't play with the same people every six months so it's it's bad to overvalue some of like your relationships pretty much mm. um, to put too much time into them uh, because you need to be flexible you need but to be able to adapt, I guess. That sounds very sad. It is, does sound sad. Maybe that's a bit harsh to put it like that. It's. I think I was just naive initially to think mm-hmm. that, like, oh, I like this group of five, so let's keep playing, right? But mm-hmm. things change pretty quickly. Yeah. So being flexible in terms of open for opportunities to switch teams yeah. or for your teammates to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just being okay with the possibility that yeah. things could change at any point and mm-hmm. not be so stuck on, like, oh, I... I need to play with this player to be successful, right? Mm. Because that is limiting you, essentially, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I imagine that overall, like, the bonding of winning in a competitive uh, environment in general will make some stronger connections with those people. Yes, uh, that's true. But it's uh, some people also take that too far of a degree. Ultimately, the 
most important thing is how you play and like um understanding how to work together and like cooperate is important but at a very high level the things that you thought was so special like how well you work with yeah. someone is kind of commonplace and mm. it can be like you don't need years of hardship and like uh, companionship with someone to be able to perform at that level i guess mm. and then it's it's just naive to think that like oh uh, like if you had some success together right that this is the only pairing that will work because you're who knows like oh if you play with this player there's a lot of things you could learn instead right yeah yeah um do you think it would be possible to notice for you say with blank the faker's name but he will play on some uh lower tier team <laughs> let's still like a strong lcs level team yeah. at least but say not the uh, you wouldn't know that it's him would you be able to tell that it's extremely high level player within that team would Could he show that? Through his own actions, yes. Yeah. And it's it's ambiguous. So it it's like you might not be able to tell it's faker, but you would be able to know it's a good player, like mm -hmm. based on what he does. Uh and like um his just surely from like aside from like what he says or how he communicates, like the intangibles pretty much, right? Yeah. From just what he does in the game, you could be able to tell he's a high level player. Yeah. Yeah. So over time, even if he starts from scratch and no one knows him, everyone forgets who Faker is, he could reclaim that relatively quickly um, in terms of it's a climb up. pretty ambiguous thought, I guess. It I would think yes, but it could take a long time or it could take a short time. It's it's hard to say. Like cause if you have a working team environment, because um, honestly there's been teams for Faker where the team is not working but he is playing at a high level mm -hmm. but that makes him look a lot worse like if he's the best on the team and uh, carries it or no 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 like so to play at a high level on a losing team oh, okay means that you really have less opportunities to show how good you are if that makes sense mm -hmm. um that's not the case every game but over a large sample of games you'll have less opportunities to make those like truly stand out like game changing moments right mm -hmm. because you're stuck doing like the basic you're you're failing the basics with a bad team mm. right you're not m meeting the really tall hurdles and jumping over them yeah. you're just tripping at the small ones right yeah in teams is it common in your experience to have a similar level of skill or it's always like going to be few people better and worse so there's like there's definitely a lot of variance in skill especially in academy right because there's mm -hmm. new players and like old okay even the players that are veterans there's could be a skill gap between them right um but at, usually at the lcs level people are quick to level up their teammates i guess mm -hmm. there's more of an emphasis on like okay we need to make sure we know how to do these things together yeah and then they that is the baseline of how we operate right and then if you're unable to do that um it's kind of cutthroat where oh let's say i really just don't understand this concept of like whatever you're trying to talk about they'll just get the play the player that plays my role from academy and they'll bump them up and They'll teach them. They'll try to teach them as quickly as possible, right? So, especially, uh, I would think at the highest level of LCS play, the skill gap is low, um, 
but the team gap is wide and like the things that you do as a team can be drastically different right mm-hmm. but you kind of all understand the same fundamentals and the same like oh like this is how we win pretty much right and these things work for my team right those are like the basics that mm-hmm. people do yeah yeah awesome uh guess the last question um uh, in terms of what would you do if you could change anything about the gaming or esports uh for better what would you do it's an interesting question do you mean like what i would consider what would be bettering for the esports scene yeah okay yeah. um That's a pretty wide question, I guess. Uh, We can narrow it to, uh, say, professional League of Legends uh, scene. Uh Um, Let me think. I think uh, a lot of esports... So it's... Okay, I'm going broader than what we said. But a lot of esports is limited-based... Okay, the growth of esports is a bit limited based on how we use it as pretty much like a commercial vessel for a lot of either products or um so the kind of like advertises itself through esports, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but they it's grown to the point where it's kind of massive, but they don't really give anything back if that makes sense. Um like So Faker is like the iconic f- face for a league, right? Mm-hmm. But in like 10 years, he's not going to get anything from being at that position. Does that make sense? Whereas uh, like someone famous in basketball, they will be able to leverage that way easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I would change exactly, but it seems like esports could be pretty stagnant in terms of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of. Because of a lot of things, I guess. I guess ultimately what I would like is for esports to grow still exponentially and be like kind of commonplace for most people. Uh, I still think it's currently, it's still filling a niche for Mm. people that are interested in gaming and like uh, kind of sports. They're like interested in sports and gaming, right? So then they're interested in Mm esports. But it would be cool if it was like, everywhere i guess you know every every city every country that kind of stuff like more widespread more widespread and just like mm, yeah just over time be more widespread because i think it will we are at a cap for it yeah hmm in terms of like difference between the star power of a basketball player versus a professional and i and i think those will like always be there like uh, star power, right, for basketball or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and esports won't be able to hit that at the current rate. But if I push back against that in terms of viewership, esports, like league beats already a lot of uh, sports at this time. Yeah. Do you think, like, the quality of, a view, of the views and numbers are not necessarily directly related because these numbers are not as strong as the numbers of people who actually show up at stadiums or more diehard sports fans in the world it, um, like it does the, the views are not equal one football view and one league view that's probably true 
like one league view it's not the same as one football view right but at the same time just like how accessible is it to like okay so league is the number one esport right mm-hmm. but uh, prior to this we we're having a lot of conversations like it's so hard to even just play the game at a beginner level whereas like compared to like basketball or something right i could just go play i could just go outside and start playing with my friends right yeah the the barrier to entry is like one of the things that is probably stopping the growth a bit mm. but when it comes to uh so esports was growing exponentially i think and we're at a point where now it's in stadiums and like in like a lot of countries and we have leagues and stuff yeah. right but i don't think it'll get any bigger than that i mean are real sports like real other mm-hmm. traditional sports bigger than that as well what is bigger than stadiums and broadcasts like maybe tv broadcasts but tv traditional media doesn't necessarily have the viewership it used to have right right right. um anyways it's more of just like an abstract idea i guess uh personally just feel like growth of esports has a cap does have a cap Mm. whereas in the past maybe i was more naive or more like accepting of like oh i think it'll go to the moon right but i think because it only fits a certain market for certain people, right? Mm. Um, like gamers, essentially. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, my mom is interested in game sports or in esports because I was a part of it. Yeah. But since I've been stopped, or I've been not a part of it for a bit. She has not that much interest mm. in it, right? So I don't think it would appeal to as much people as we would think initially. Yeah. Maybe like five years ago, we were like, "Oh, this is gonna go." absolutely crazy right and i'm sure that's why so many companies and like uh, people invested into it yeah but i would think i don't know what it would take i guess for esports to reach the next level but i do think we're hitting like the top currently interesting yeah do you think that is also because esports itself changes the games that i watched because some game become more popular and if there was a game that uh, had the longevity of traditional sport, it could attract more people and maybe the simplicity of that entry-level simplicity. Yeah, I think that is definitely one thing about it. So in terms of longevity, we would think StarCraft or like League is like up there, right? Yeah. And so let's say there's like problems with these titles is why like is why like oh, it's not growing as much. Mm-hmm. Um it's hard to think of like another game that could like take the spot, I guess, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just something to think about, I guess. I wouldn't put all my money into esports, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still have many questions, but I think it's a good point okay. to call it for this time. Yeah. If uh, people want to find you, um, where do you have? You, you said you had Twitch channel, right? Uh, yeah, I very very rarely. Uh, yeah, I tried streaming, but not yeah. really my focus, I guess. Okay. Um, I am on Twitter, mm-hmm. gate underscore LOL. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for Here coming over to this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get the riot fist. I'll have to make my That's way. It. Long yeah. journey back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a pleasure. Yeah. So tell me more about your life.